radical uh, faith. And I'm going to tell you this, if you can just put that up, please. Um, no one is really happy. No one is really happy until they do what God wants them to do. Did you know that? No one is really happy in this life until they start doing what God wants them to do. And I'll tell you why. God is our Father. And those of us who have actually put our faith in what Christ did for us, we recognize that our Father knows best. Some people think that God is some kind of a cosmic party pooper. He wants to just sort of you know, make your life unhappy. He wants to... He wants to drag you down. He doesn't want you to have fun. And there's, there's nothing that is further than the truth than that. That is the biggest lie from the pit of hell. God wants you to be very happy. He wants you to be very content. He wants you to, to be satisfied. Listen to this. He wants you to have joy in your heart. He wants you to be able to go to bed at night not feeling guilty or feeling shame. He wants you to be able to get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and not be ashamed at what you're looking at. This is what God wants for you. And the way that this happens is when you do what God tells you to do. When you do what God commands you to do, it's for your good. It's for your benefit. It's for your happiness. It's for your peace. It's for your joy. There's a passage of scripture uh, that I want to share with you this morning, or several actually, and these, these have been key verses in my life. They have been with me from my earliest recollections of Bible study. These are the verses that I think everybody needs to know. If you don't know them by memory, then you need to mark it in your Bible, circle it, and say, know this verse. This is, these are key verses I want to share with you this morning. Here's the first one. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And if you would read that with me. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Every time, every time I do what God says, every time I do what God tells me to do, I'm taking a step in radical faith. Every time I do what God says, I'm taking a step in radical faith. And I'll tell you why I'm calling it radical. Because it's not what comes natural. It's not what, it's not what you naturally would do on your own. This radical step is going oftentimes against what you would choose to do or what you would want to do. In just a, in just a, a short while, we're going to be having a, a special course. We've been doing a discipleship class, which has never been taught before. And by the way, the numbers of, of people who have been coming out to that is absolutely staggering. I think we had 60 people for supper and then a class on Wednesday night. The next class is going to be called Faith Life. And it's all about learning how to walk in a way that pleases God. And often it's a way that goes contrary to what you would naturally choose to do. Radical faith. Every time you choose to do what he wants, you come alive. You literally spring to life. Jesus, in John chapter 10, verse 10, says this. He says, the thief comes to rob and kill and destroy. And some of you sitting here today would say, yeah, that pretty much sums up my life. 
I feel so devastated by the things that have happened to me in this life. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it, how? More abundantly. This is what God wants for you. He wants you to have a great life. He wants you to come alive. He wants you to do more than just exist from day to day. He wants your life to be vibrant, alive. The way that this happens, my friends, is by doing what God calls you to do. God loves it when you take massive steps of faith. You want, you want to know why? Because when you take massive steps of faith, then God is able to do massive miracles for you. The person who is not experiencing miracles in their life is somebody who has stopped taking massive, radical steps of faith. Those who stop doing what God tells them to do. Because here's the thing, every time you do what God wants you to do, then God can move in and do the impossible for you. So this morning, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, boy, pastor, I sure would love to have a miracle in my life. I, sure w- I would sure love to see God move in and do incredible things for me. Well, I'm telling you how to do it now. Open your Bible, see what he says, and then do it. And watch what happens. This trip to Zambia, okay, you know, 20 people, I think 20 or 30 people uh, at $4,000 each, plus approximately $55,000 that we have to raise. And we've got deadlines for, for the amounts of money that we need, and like it's quick. I can tell you, there's times I wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and I think to myself, Stupid, stupid, stupid. Why are you doing this? You, didn't, you don't have to do this, Alan. Why are you putting yourself in this position? And the devil comes along and he tries to suggest to me, oh, Alan, if the money doesn't come in, you're going to be without a salary. That's got to be paid somehow. But here's what I discovered in my 27 years of ministry, in my 40 years as a Christian. I've discovered that every time God gives instructions and tells me what to do, he never, ever fails. He never, ever lets me down. And so those times when I wake up in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'm telling you, every time it happens, I'm thinking about Zambia. I'm thinking about the big expenses. I'm thinking of the deadlines. And how is this going to happen? How are we going to do it? And then God reminds me, it's going to be okay. Remember all the things I've done for you in the past. I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart this morning because some of you here today have got huge challenges in your life right now. And the temptation that you have is to do things your way. And God's saying, don't do it your way, do it my way. And you're going to be okay. Now, I have to tell you, I, I often do like the path of least resistance. I, like, I, like to, I, I don't like to work hard unnecessarily. Anybody with me on that one? You, you, like to, you don't want to work hard for nothing. But I'll tell you this, and if you want to understand your pastor and why I do the things I do and why I think the way I think, it's because, and here it is, it's because I love a challenge. 
I, I can't resist it. When I was in, when I was in, in high school writing papers, I always picked the most difficult subject. I don't know why. Maybe because I was crazy. When I was in Bible school, it was the same thing. Well, the one part of the class is writing an exam, for instance, on, on the atonement. I'm writing an exam on Hammurabi and his code. Has anybody ever heard of Hammurabi's code? Uh, maybe one or two geeks here on here. But I, I had to do the, I had to, I had to do the hard thing. There's something inside me that wants to, wants to grow, wants to learn, wants to develop, wants to be stretched. And this is what I want for my spiritual life. I want to be stretched. I want to grow. I, want to, I, don't, want to, I don't want to just follow the pack and do what everybody else is doing. So here's the thing. We're in Bible school. One of the things in those days, internship was just sort of a new, new thing. It was, it was just a really new idea. That tells you how old I am. And anyway, uh, we were invited, If some of us in our class, we were invited to, to, to become interns. So um, I said, yeah, I would like to do that. That's something that's exactly what I'd like to do. I'd like to go between my second and third year of Bible school, and I'd like to learn how, uh, how, how to be a pastor and do, do pastoral things. When I, when I got to Winnipeg, uh, I was told that as an intern, I could make $3.25 an hour. And over the course of the summer, if you do the arithmetic, that's not enough. <laughs> that's not enough to go to school. And I was given the opportunity. Uh, I know somebody who knows somebody who is the lawyer for the Safeway of Canada. And this person said, look, I'm going to get you a job at Safeway. And so this friend of mine went to the lawyer Safeway of Canada and said, could you please speak on behalf of my friend who needs a job? He's going to Bible school. I'm driving along, working for my dad part-time as a plumber, I'm driving along in my car, and God speaks to my heart. He says, Alan, do you really want to be in the ministry? Is this something you really want to do? I went into a time of prayer. I waited on God, and I said, okay, God, uh, uh, I'm, I'm waiting before I'm looking for guidance and instruction from you. And God, again, asked me the question, do you really, really want to be a pastor? Is this really what you want to do? I said, yes, Lord. And then Lord, the Lord said to me, I want you to take the job at Charleswood Gospel Temple, which is now Grace Community Church. I want you to take the, I want you to take the job at Charleswood Gospel Temple for $3.25 an hour. I said, but God, anybody ever done that? <laughs> but, but God, don't you know what they pay at Safeway? Haven't you heard? I could be making 15 bucks an hour, which was a lot of money back in 1982. And God said, Alan, do you want to be in the ministry? And I said, yes, Lord, I want to be in the ministry. No sooner had I finished my devotions and my prayer time, my waiting on God, the phone rings. Hello, this is Safeway of Canada. Your job is waiting. Oh, what? timing. I mean, I could not even, I couldn't even pretend to God that, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> I just took the job. I didn't know. God spoke to me before I got that phone call. Mm. And I said to the lady on the phone, I said, I'm, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity, but I already have a job for the summer. I went through the summer months praying and saying, God, I have no idea how I'm going to pay my way back to Bible school. And you know what happened? The last Sunday there, the pastor took up an offering for me, and it was exactly what I needed to pay for my Bible school and to even have a little bit of extra spending money because God spoke to the hearts 
of this family, his family, the family of God. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you some of the, no, some of the fruit of, of this step of faith, doing, doing what God wanted me to do. When I went back to Bible school, a class of about 30, 30 graduates, only five of us were called into ministry. As far as I know, there's maybe only five of the 30 that went through Bible school that are actually in the ministry today, maybe less than that. But Charleswood Gospel Temple called me back to be the youth pastor of that church. Now here's the even greater thing. As it was there at Charleswood Gospel Temple that I met my wife. What would have happened? What would have happened had I gone the way that I want to go rather than the way that God wants me to go? And some of us here today have made huge mistakes in our lives because we've chosen our own way rather than doing what God wants. You see, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And here's the thing. When you please God, amazing things happen. You please yourself. You bring joy and peace to your own heart. I am going to be talking to you for the next three or four weeks all about this radical faith, the faith that says, I'm going to do not what I want to do, but what God wants me to do. Today I'm going to be talking to you, in the, in the moments left to me, about the radical step of radical membership in God's family. What does it mean to become part of his family? I can tell you this, the biggest mistake that you will, that you will make is doing it your way, going where you want to go and not going where God wants you to go and being where God wants you to be. Let's show that video clip really quickly called Membership-itis, and then we'll carry on here. For some people, membership is a dirty word. But I have to tell you, before we go one step further, the idea of membership is actually a biblical idea. Membership is a Christian idea. And anybody who uses the term today has actually taken our idea, or has, if you will, stolen the idea of membership from us. 
you read the, the epistles of the apostle, what am I saying here? The letters of Paul, you'll discover that he uses the term over and over again. Membership, being a member of the body. Costco is not the one that came up with the idea of membership. And American Express, who says membership has its privileges, they're not the ones that came up with that idea. God did. God came up with the idea of membership. Now, Jesus, in Mark chapter 3, verse uh, 33 to 35, says this. Uh, before we read that, just, just look at me for a moment. Jesus is out preaching. He's teaching. Crazy, crazy schedule. He's, uh, he's been going nonstop, hardly getting a chance to stop and eat, hardly having a chance to rest. Uh, but it's, it's day in and day out. He's just going, 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 going. His family, his, his, his family hears about this and says, man, he must be losing his mind. We better get in there and, and stop him. We better get him under control. And so his family heads out and, and finds him. When they get to the place where Jesus is, lo and behold, Jesus is ministering, he's, he's teaching, he's instructing, and the family taps someone on the shoulder and says, would you, would you go in there and would you get him and, and, and tell him his family's here? Would you bring him out? Because we really, you know, we've we got to talk to him. And, and you know, they're, they're thinking, we've got we to gotta sort Jesus out because he doesn't know what he's doing and he's going he's gonna to kill himself, burn out, whatever. And here's what Jesus' reply is to those who've come to get him. He says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, and if you'd read this with me, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now in the scripture, we find only three times where Jesus actually singles out a group of people as being special, as having special status. The first group are the poor and the needy. Remember when he stands up to preach and declare himself, he says, I have come to whom? I've come to the poor, to the needy, the blind, those in prison. It's for them that I've come. By the way, little sideline, if you want to make God happy, reach out to the poor, the needy. Because the Bible says when you lend to the poor, you give to God. And I'm going to tell you, God's never anyone's debtor. He'll not owe anybody anything. The second group are the disciples, 12 that he, he specifically hand-chose, hand-picked them to be his disciples. And then the third group are these people here, hand-picked. And he says, all these people here who do the will of my Father, these people are my family. And so I want to talk to you really quickly this morning about God's family about the family of God. The very first radical step of faith that anybody will take is accepting Jesus Christ into their heart, into their life. That very first radical step that you'll take is say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my Savior. I accept that you are the one who will wash away my sins. I accept that you're the one who will give me eternal life. That's the first radical step that you take. But can I tell you this this morning? God doesn't call you just to take one step. He calls you to take two, a second step. And we'll be talking about the third and fourth steps. 
But this next step that he calls you to take is a step of belonging to his family. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, and you have to understand this if you're going to understand Christianity, if you're going to understand the church. This is what God says. God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. When you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, God adopted you as his son and daughter. He adopted you into his family. You became part of the family. And if you're going to begin to grow in your Christian life, in your Christian experience, then what you've got to do is you've got to learn how to embrace the family of God. You've got to say, this is my family. These are the people that God has given me. And by faith, I will enter into relationship with them. There's so many people who attend church their whole life through and never, ever, ever get to know the person that they sit beside in church. I want you to know that this is not God's will for you. This is not God's plan for you to go to church year after year and not know the people that you worship with. God has called you to be part of his family. Now, this past week, I had... I had one of the most incredible things happen to me in my 27 years of ministry. I've never had this happen before. I had uh, Sparling United Church call me and ask me if I would teach a Bible study, teach their Bible study in our church. And what they wanted to know is they wanted to know all about what we believe, what we stand for, what we understand to be uh, our teaching on, on baptism, and so I said to them, well, you know, if I talk about baptism, then I have to talk about conversion as well because nobody is baptized in our church unless they're converted. And we have to be 100% sure that they're converted before we baptize them. So for one hour, I, ex- I hoped it would be an hour. I expected that it would be an hour. I prepared for an hour. I began to teach what it means to be a Christian. And then I taught them what we believe baptism to be. For another whole hour, hands are, hands are shooting up, and they want, an, they want questions. They want questions answered. What is, it, what, is it, what is sin? What does it mean to be converted? What does it mean to be, to, to be a Christian? If, if I call myself saved, does that mean I'm proud? I'm proud of it, and I'm bragging? After I talked to them a little bit about what it means to be saved and what it means to be baptized, then they wanted to know about our, about our church and what's that container doing there. And I said, here's the thing. This, this is part of what our family is working on right now. It's one of the projects that we're working on at the present time. I had a lady sitting right in the front row here. Uh, I, I, she was sitting like right, right there, right at, right at the front. And, and, and just everything I was saying, writing down very carefully what I was talking about. And then I started to talk to her about Zambia. She says, well, an amazing thing happened to me this past week. She says, I was in the hospital. And I heard somebody talking about Zambia. That day... This has happened on Thursday. That day, at Thursday, I had lunch with Shane, who told me that he was in the hospital talking to somebody about Zambia. 
and about the need for treadle sewing machines. This lady who was sitting in the front row was actually in the hospital that day and overheard the discussion. When she heard that we needed treadle sewing machines, she said, Doctor, I have a treadle sewing machine. Would you like it? Would you like to have it? I would, I would be so delighted if that sewing machine could go over to Zambia. And, and, and Shane got her phone number, her address, and said, I would be glad to take care of it. Shane told me all about this at that lunch, lunch hour. And then just hours later, the, the, the very woman that he was talking to in the hospital is now sitting in this Bible study. She attends Sparling United Church. She is so excited. She is so pumped. She says, this must be of God. I said, do you think? <laughs> she was so excited about what our family is doing. She's so excited about that container. She says, I'm going to get... I'm going to get my sewing machine here, and I'm going to go around telling everybody, I'm going to try to get as many sewing machines as, as I can get for you. I said, well, that would be fine with me. I said, here's the thing. If you put your faith in Jesus, that means we're part of the same family, doesn't it? She said, yeah. I said, well, you know, we've got a banquet coming up here on the 18th and the 19th. Would you be interested in coming? She said, well, I'll buy tickets. I can't come because I'll, I'll be out of town, but I'm going to buy tickets. I'm going to pass them out. And then she said to everybody else in the group, how about anybody else? Does anybody else want to buy some tickets? Now she's becoming my salesman <laughs> for our banquet. The pastor steps up and says, well, we could, buy a, we could buy a table. So he bought a table that night. It actually paid the cash up front, right, Karen? And they said they might buy another table. And I said, this is, what, this is what a family does who's engaged in the purposes of God. That first radical step that you took to ask Jesus into your heart is followed by the next radical step where you become part of the family, part of God's plan, part of what God wants to do through that family. I'm going to tell you this. If you have lost your joy and lost your excitement and lost the thrill of the Christian life, then I would say that it's probably because you have not engaged with the family. If you're sitting back waiting for the family to take care of you, then you're going to become very unhappy because God did not create you to sit back and do nothing. He created you for action. And that's why Jesus says, look at these people. These people here, who do the will of God are my brothers and my sisters and my mother. So what you need to do is not just become part of the family, but you need to get active. You need to start doing what the family's doing. You need to get on board with the plan. You need to take that radical step. And I'm going to tell you this. When you take that, that radical step of getting involved, involved with the family, then you start to experience a joy, a peace, a fulfillment, an excitement, unlike anything that you've ever experienced before. The first, the first Christians, early believers, understood this. And that's why Peter says in his epistle, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 17, he says this very simply. He says, love your spiritual family. And many of us don't understand that when you became a Christian, you became part of a family that you are supposed to love. Now, what does it mean to love? That's a, hard, that's a hard word to define. How do you define love? 
The best definition I have ever come across, and I just, I just discovered this as I was studying for uh, class two of discipleship. The best definition I ever came up with for love is, is becoming one with someone. Now, I can tell you, nothing defines better what God's purpose is than that definition. God wants us to become one with him. That's his great and eternal plan. And the, and the flip side of that is that he wants us to be one with each other. He wants us to become one with each other. Now, I, I know some of you are sitting here thinking, ooh, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can really open my heart up like that. I don't know if I can take the risk of letting people know who I am. I don't know if I can take the risk of letting people into my life, into my heart. I'm going to tell you this right now. Your greatest joy, your greatest happiness in life is taking that step of faith, doing what Jesus tells you to do, not because you want to necessarily, not because it even makes sense to you, but because God commands it and he knows what's best for you. Become one with your spiritual family. That's, that's what Peter's saying. Have you done that? Will you do that? Will you become part, part of the family and will you become part of the partnership? You know, I have watched a lot of people over the years try to fill that void in their heart by trying to be, belong to the popular crowd, to belong to the in crowd, the sexy group. You know what I'm talking about. You want to belong. You want to, you want to be with the in, with people who are you know, right up there, popular. Everybody knows who they are. In fact, you know what? MTV has come up with a, with a whole show based on, on that very principle. Anybody know what it's called? Jersey Shore. Yeah. Anybody ever hear of Snooky? Looks like she's got a rat's nest right on top of her head. In the first service, nobody knew what I was talking about when I mentioned Jersey Shore. Some of the young people that I'm talking about. It's a, it's about, it's a show about, about cool Young people who hang out together, get suntans, drink, sit in hot tubs, and, uh, and fornicate. But if I could just belong to a group like that, if I could just belong with the in-group. I want to tell you something today. This is one of the biggest lies from the pit of hell. To make you believe that the thing that's going to bring you happiness is by belonging to a certain group or belonging to certain people, or to hang out with certain people. You want to know what, what brings you joy and happiness? Is that when you open your heart up and you embrace the people that God has brought into your life. That's what brings you the joy. That's what brings you the sense of fulfillment. Because here's the thing. The people who are trying to be with the in-group, the in-crowd, are all about themselves. They have nothing to give you. They have nothing to offer you. They have no, there's nothing that will satisfy you. It will be empty, empty, empty. But for those who say, I'm going to take the radical step of faith and embrace the people God has brought into my life. Now you are, you're being like Christ. And you're saying, who 
are my friends? Who are the people I'm going to associate with? Who are the people that I'm going to love? It's these people. These people. And I, Gloria and I have lived our whole Christian life that way. We have never, ever tried to run after or embrace the in crowd. That's just not the, who we are. It's not how we've lived. And what's happened is that we've gathered people around us. And we've loved them and embraced them. And, and, and we've discovered that there's, there's, there's more love to go around them than, than we can even imagine. And this is what God has called us to. To open our arms wide and embrace people and bring them in and love them and care for them. And you know what? I could keep you here for days. I could write a book on the ways that we have been blessed. Because rather than trying to get in with the in-group, we embraced whoever it was that God brought into our lives. This is a step of faith. It takes faith to believe that and to do that. Jesus says, who, who are my, who's my family? Yeah, it's these people who are partners with me in doing God's will. When you become part of this family, you get active. We ask you to get up off of your chair and say, how can I serve? Where can I serve? What can I do for you? Back about a year and a half ago, God brought somebody along to our church that, uh, I, I mean, I've been praying for this, and I had no idea how this was going to happen, but God brought someone along to this church to help me, to come alongside me and just say, what do you need me to do? And I don't want to embarrass him, but his name's Greg. Don't look at him. He'll blush. He'll red, red, red. Don't look at him. He starts coming to church and says, how can I serve? How can I help? What can I do? I said, well, what can you do? So I'm a chartered accountant and a CGA. I'm a nurse. What do you need? <laughs> Wow. So, well, we need somebody to help us with our finances. I'm, he's going to kill me now for doing this. Sorry, Greg. He's, he's going to kill me. I didn't know who Greg was. Didn't know where he's from. Didn't know his story. But God brought this, this friend into my life. I embraced him. And while I thought I was going to be blessing him, he turns around and blesses me ten times beyond anything I could ever imagine. That is how the family of God works. Greg is the, he's the opposite to me personality-wise. He's quiet, doesn't say anything. I have to do all the talking most of the time. Until you get to know him, then he opens up a little bit. He's not the kind of person that I would maybe be initially attracted to as a friend. But he's my brother in Christ, and his desire is to serve God and be part of our family, and we are close. And we are in the partnership of advancing the kingdom of God. And he's the one that's managing finances around here. What is it that you can do, and what is it that God wants to use in you? I'm going to tell you this. The minute you sign up and say, God, I want to be part of this family. I want, to, I want to be used by you, God. And God will put you to work and blow your mind 
what kind of joy and satisfaction and happiness that you will feel because of that. Look what it says here in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. Look at this. This membership, this body here, this is created by God. This isn't, wasn't slick marketing techniques. This was God putting together a body to do his work. Now, let the Spirit of God just enlighten you and open your mind to understand this because it blows me away every time I think about it. We've got this team of people going to, going to Africa, doctors, nurses, teachers, vice principal. We've got plumbers. We've got a draftsman. We've got uh, people who are just saying, you know what, I just want to sign up and serve. It's blowing me away. People that want to be part of the family, part of the team, and doing what God wants to do through this family. Radical faith calls you to become part of a family, to step outside of your comfort zone and start embracing the people around you and saying, you know what, I'm so glad you're my brother. I'm so glad you're my sister. I'm so glad that we're on the same team. I'm so glad that we're fulfilling the will of God. You know what, I, I was thinking about when I, was, uh, I resigned from Charlesville Gospel Temple. And I was, invited to, I was invited to go to Calgary to be the youth pastor, or I could go to Carberry, Manitoba. Anybody know where Calgary is? Anybody know where Carberry is? I didn't either. <laughs> I'd never been there. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know it existed. I went into prayer about it, and I said, God, which do you want me to do? Remember what I said? Shall I go to Safeway and work and make big money, or shall I go into the ministry and make $3.25? I did what God wanted me to do. Instead of working for Safeway, I bought one. <laughs> Instead of going to Calgary, I went to Carberry. I had no idea. I had no idea what God was planning to do, but I knew that I was in God's will and I was doing the thing that God wanted me to do. I could have gone with Calgary, which is so sexy. Everybody knows that Calgary is, is, is the promised land, right? I mean, I had one pastor say to me, Alan, if you go to Calgary, you'll really make a name for yourself. Oh, goody, that's just what I want. <laughs> You go to Calgary, you'll be a great salary, you'll advance yourself. This is the way to, to climb the ladder. Who knows? You might be the superintendent someday. I went to Carberry because that's what God wanted me to do. And I went to Carberry. I wasn't there for maybe any more than six months, and I got word that the pastor had a moral failure and had to resign, and all his staff had to go. What would have happened if I'd gone to Calgary? Big church. I went to Carberry, and it was there in Carberry that I began to date Gloria. It was there that I began to drive in every weekend to see my beloved. After church, that is. <laughs> I do work on Sundays. What would have happened if I had not followed the will of God? You take this radical step and say, God, I'm going to show up and do what you want me to do. Watch the miracles that take place. 
I was so, so delighted. Friday night, about 11.30, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing for Sunday, and I'm preparing for a discipleship class. I'm working away, and all of a sudden I get a text from Taryn. 11! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And then I get another call from Lindsay, exclamation mark. I think another one from Nathan. 11 kids asked Jesus into their heart on Friday night. Hello? 11 kids asked Jesus into their heart on Friday night. This is the team that you belong to here. This is the family that you're a part of. If you thought you were going to come to this church and just sort of be entertained and you're just going to fill the seat and I was going to say nice, warm, fuzzy things that are going to make you feel good and you'll go home and say, okay, I can face another week. It's wrong. That's, this is the wrong idea. But if you've come here to get involved with what God wants to do and you want to be part of God's plan and you want to be part of, of his team to, to reach a broken and hurting world, then this is the family for you. This is the place for you. In this family, we want to help you do God's will. We want to help you become all that God wants you to be. We, uh, we're asking you to make a commitment to us as, as we make a commitment to you. I want you to look at this uh, next slide here. This is something that we've been working on for, for a couple of years now, and we've got, it, we've got it going, and this morning we're going to be welcoming into membership uh, several people and they're going to be the first ones to receive these membership cards and those who are, have been members for some time you're going to get them too, don't panic but these people are the ones who are going to get the first membership cards this membership card in our church represents the process where you experience first of all being part of a great team but secondly where you begin to grow and develop as a Christian. We've got the foundations, we've got the developing stage, and then we've got the advanced stage. We're committed to helping you grow, and here's, here's why we're committed to that, because Jesus said, go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. So here's the thing, someday I'm going to stand before Jesus, and Jesus is going to, is going to say to me, Alan, Did you make disciples? Did you make disciples? Now, here's the thing. I, I can't force you into this, but I can invite you into the family and become part of this process where you would allow us to help you be developed. That's why we have Alpha, the first, the first class where you learn what it means to be a Christian. The next step, discipleship, where you learn the habits and the practices of the Christian life. What does it mean to live like a Christian? And this third course, which is, well, we've never taught, taught discipleship before. This is the first time, and it's so exciting. The next class will be faith life. What does it mean to live and to walk the way Jesus calls us to live and walk? And then the next one is membership. Now, the people who are coming into membership this morning, they made it in just under the line. But here's what we discovered, is that people really need to go through Alpha if they don't know who Jesus is. They really need to go through discipleship to learn the practices of the Christian life before they become a member. They need to go through faith life class to learn what it is to walk by faith before they become a member. And here's why. Because when you become a member, you're making a commitment to this team and to the efforts of this church. You're saying, I'm going to partner with you, Pastor. You can depend on me 
We can depend on me to, to do whatever it is that God is calling us as a church to do. And so this morning, I'm going to call, call up those who, who have been interviewed and who have asked to become members. I'm going to ask Adam Hildebrand if you'll come, please, and stand right here. Gregory Kilbray, if you'll come, please, and stand right here. Poppy Gwinstaff, you'd come, please. Angela and Jeff West, if you'll come and stand right here. We had some people from the uh, in early service. We had three people coming to membership then, and we've got two more coming next week. But let me say this to you this morning. If you want to become part of the team, and you want to say, you know, Pastor, I want to throw my lot in with this group, with this family, with this ragtag group of people, <laughs> I invite you to do that. Sign up and say, put me on the list. That next membership class, I want to be part of that. Would you just bow your heads with me, please?